Welcome women. Here we talk about sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, the call to women's work, and so much more. I'm Bethany Wild, an author, mother, and mentor for women's wellness practitioners who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic womb and pelvic care. And I'm so glad that you're here. Hello everyone, welcome to the Rooted Woman Podcast. Today is going to be a really beautiful conversation where I'm talking with my friend Laura Prentice. She is a woman who leads circles and classes for older girls around ages 9 through 18. So we're going to be talking about her work, how she creates sacred space with girls and builds community and um, her role of being the wise auntie. So um, I'm really excited to bring this conversation forward. Um, Several episodes ago, I spoke with my friend Catherine, and we talked a lot about where we were at with raising our daughters, who are much younger. Mine is two and a half, and hers is, um, uh, she's four and a half now. And we talked about how we were modeling and living and wanting to raise our daughters well and um, raise them wild and connected with themselves and connected with the their bodies and their cycles and the seasons and... Um, being part of circle. And so this is really what I see as the next conversation, which is, you know, what do you do uh, when girls are older? How can we create these beautiful spaces for them? And it's really helpful to speak to a woman who is living it. She is holding these circles. She is educating these young girls and she's doing it in a, in a way that I find really beautiful because it isn't just about um, teaching them about their bodies and the anatomy and how their body works. And that's definitely an important aspect of it. But it, but she also brings in, um, you know, connection and ritual and honoring the seasons and tuning into their bodies. And I just love that combination And those are definitely the kind of things that I want to bring into raising my own daughter. And so it's just a really helpful conversation for me personally um, to have all these models and to gather all of these beautiful ideas. And so this is going to be a great conversation if you have daughters, if you feel really called to work with girls, older girls in your community in person, um, Laura is going to be a great person to talk to, to really dive deeper into these conversations and get ideas and um, learn how to, um, how to bring this to your community. But this is going to be a good conversation just to lay the foundation a little bit. So In this episode, we're going to talk about Laura's current Maiden Circle offering. 
We're going to talk about how she integrates ritual and body literacy and seasonal connection into these older girls' lives. We're going to talk about a girl's longing to be in community and in circle, cultivating a simple sacred circle through ritual, Laura's path to working with girls and becoming a fertility awareness method and body educator. We're going to talk about how to speak to girls about the magic in their bodies and what it looks like for younger girls, which is quite simple in modeling. Um, The more challenging parts of holding circle space and how having multiple facilitators is helpful. The role of mothers and aunties in a girl's life. We're going to talk about Laura's upcoming Women and Girls Festival, where there will also be a menarche ceremony for girls who have uh, gone through that rite of passage. We're going to talk about the five blood mysteries, girls versus boys rites of passage, and the red tent initiation. The inherent nature of initiation within a girl's woman's body the crone priestess menopause time in a woman's life and laura's going to be sharing some sacred songs uh, for the death portal so we cover a lot and um, she will also share about her current and her future offerings in north texas including her mentorship her private mentorship to support women who want to start these circles in their own community in person, but want some support doing so, want some guidance, want to bounce ideas off of um, anything, really. So I'm going to go ahead and share Laura's bio, and then we'll dive into the episode. So Laura Prentice is a fertility awareness educator. She works with girls who crave deep connection with their bodies, helping them gain a sense of ease and peace around their fertility, health, and pregnancy choices. She runs maiden circles, fam, and cycle classes, and is offering her first upcoming Women and Girls Festival in spring of 2023 in North Texas. So definitely join us for that if you live anywhere nearby. And you can find Laura on BelldamWomenCare.com and Instagram, same name, Beldam Woman Care, and you'll just be able to find, of course, all of the links in the show notes and all the things we mentioned in the episode. And let's dive into this episode. I just want to start by just diving into talking about what your offerings are right now, um, what happens in your maiden circles and your classes, what do the girls learn, um, and I'm really curious what's the most important information that you want to convey to those girls as you set these circles up, if you wanted to share a little bit about how that works. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great question. The maiden circle feels like the most important thing that I'm doing right now, even though it it feels really simple in some ways, it's just bringing girls together and and sometimes their moms too, um, to give them a space to 
check in with each other and learn what it feels like to be in circle rather than be in a group of girls that that doesn't have as much structure that can sort of devolve into not so healthy forms of interaction, um, gossiping and um, yeah, just just less respectful. Um, so what we do in the maiden circle, it's it's like a woman's circle. We always do the same thing every time. So we have a ritual, we have a routine, we open with um, checking in how, how we're doing. Um, and then there's always a theme. So every month has a different topic that we focus on. Um, but at the end, there's always time for open shares. Um, and the girls at first didn't really have a lot to say because they didn't know what to share. Just like at any women's circle, you don't necessarily know what you want to talk about at first. Um, but they've, they've started really opening up and um, like looking forward to what they're going to share. Um, and then we, yeah, we always close with, with a ritual too. We close with a song. Um, so some of the topics, um, we've talked about boundaries and I wasn't really sure that that one was going to go over with them because the age group is nine to 12 year olds. So they're really little. Um, uh, it's nine to 12 year old girls and their moms, if the moms want to come. Um, and if the daughters want that. Um, so yeah, so the boundaries conversation has actually been our richest one. Um, they really resonated with it and they were able to explain to each other and to the, the, the leaders. So I co-lead the circle with two other um, dear women friends of mine in the Dallas area. Um, and Anyway, so they were they were really able to convey what boundaries meant to them and some it, like instances when they felt like their boundaries weren't respected or how they needed to um, like share what their boundaries were. Um, and that was a really cool conversation. Um, and they they can relate it to their lives in so many interesting ways. Um, another really cool topic was intention setting. Again, I wasn't sure if that was going to go over well. Um, but they all had such beautiful goals and visions and they were really focused and driven. And um, I think I forgot how, um, how driven a 10 year old can be, like how focused on her goals she can be. I mean, as, as someone who works with girls, that shouldn't be a surprise, but, um, but it, it's just really cool to see. Um, yeah, we've, we've done a bunch of different topics and um, yeah, so let's see, what else have we talked about? We did altars and um, like, what does it look like to create a, a ritual space in your, in your life, in your home, um, how it's a point of focus. Um, we talk a lot about uh, seasonal rituals, um, how that our energy changes throughout the year. Um, we talked about beauty and what is inner beauty, what is outer beauty. Um, our next one is going to be self-care. Um, so what does that, what does it look like to take care of yourself in terms of setting boundaries in terms of, um, your body? And we're going to go over a bunch of really cool self-care practices. One of the women who co-leads the circle with me is a, a mind abdominal therapist as well. So she does the Arbigo technique. We're going to teach them some like simple belly massage practices, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot. Um, and we've only been doing it since July of this year. It already feels, I feel like I'm already in 2023, but it's, it's still 2022. So it's only been six months. 
Um, but it's, it's been so wonderful. Hmm. Wow. That, that's a lot more than I realized that you, you did actually. I love that. And how you integrate. Like, I feel like, um, when I've heard of women working with the girls, it's like, it's very, um, devoid of that spiritual aspect or that, um, that kind of mental aspect, like it's very, here's your anatomy. And yeah. I love that you integrated boundaries and intention setting and all your building. That's, that's beautiful. It, it kind of is like the next step in this conversation that um, I had from several podcasts ago with my friend about how she's raising her daughter um, to be integrated with, you know, these things like being in circle and being aligned with the seasons and knowing about her body. And it's like, she's four years old. And then this is like these next steps. Um, yes. As, yeah. As these girls just evolve and are so wise already at nine. Um, yeah. Like we, we just did a trip back home to visit um, my daughter's cousins and they were 10 and 15 and they acted so much older than than I did at that age. So I'm mm. sure you witnessed that too, just how, just being impressed at how like, grown they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that has its pros and cons, uh, but but yes, I do, I do definitely see that in the girls in my maiden circle. They're very, yeah, they just carry a lot of wisdom. And once we realize that and are like, have the space for them to express it, um, they really step into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I'm curious, yeah. What has their feedback been from like the girls and then the mothers, like how many mothers are actually present there? Is that most or half or? Yeah. Um, so I thought that the girls were going to prefer having a space of their own to, to speak away from their moms. But what I've actually noticed is that most of them still want their moms to be there. And it's mm -hmm. so sweet. Like they, the moms are like, do you want me to, do you want me to go today? And they're like, you can stay like trying to act like they don't care, but they still have this longing for their mothers. And it's so sweet because that's going to change really soon. And, um, so I've loved seeing that and the, the, the way they, um, sort of like take a look back at their moms who are usually sitting right behind them in the circle as they're talking, but they still seem really, really able to share with their moms there. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's been really neat. Some, some of them, the moms very rarely come and then the other ones, you know, they're kind of figuring out that dynamic. What feels good? Does it feel better for mom to stay or for her to go? Um, and so the moms are really, they really care about what their daughters want and they want to do whatever's going to be best for her to be openly sharing, um, for them to be openly sharing. But I, yeah, that's one thing that has surprised me um, is that they seem to want their moms there, even though they're little tweens, they, they seem to be still in that, in that state of, of craving for their moms. Um, and then as far as their responses, I mean, they are so happy to be there. The reason that we started the group is because the girls asked for it. Um, so I lead this mother-daughter workshop. It's a two-part class. Um, and one of the groups really gelled. So it was 
I think like five or six girls and their moms. Um, and they were like, okay, after the second class, they were like, what are we doing next month? Like, what are we going to keep, you know, we have to keep getting together. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we have to <laughs> come up with something for you. Um, so that's why the maiden circle was created. It was for them, for that, that core group of girls that, that wanted to keep getting together. Um, and after every circle the, they say like, this is my favorite class. It's not really a class, but they call it a class. Um, Aww. it's just, it's so sweet. Like the feedback that we get from the mother daughter class is really powerful too. Like we, we give them little, um, like response cards at the end to see like what they liked, what they learned, what, you know, what else we need to talk about. And one of them said, um, why does school not help at all? And why does this help so much? Mm. Um, and it was really like, it was funny, but it was so touching. Yeah. Um, and they want to keep coming. Like if their parents have other things going on during the day, they'll tell me like, she's going to want to come. Like, I know we have a ton of stuff other, you know, going on that day, but I think she's going to want to do this rather than, you know, go to soccer or something. Um, so it's, it's just cool that it's important to them too. It's not, um, it's not something that we're having to like push on these girls. They really want it. Mm. Yeah. And that just speaks to this longing that we have to be in community with each other. And I definitely see this in women, how much there is just a hunger for these circles. Yes. And yeah, we can see it as soon as we enter a women's circle and then, you know, we just like totally unload our life story because it's just building and building. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure you see that with the girls because there's just not a space to be, um, yeah, certainly not in school, just to be open-hearted and yeah. Yeah. It's a really unique thing being in a, a women's circle or not a girl's circle. Um, yeah. It's just not like interacting with women anywhere else in the world. Even just a group of women hanging out at uh, an event is very different from the structure of a women's circle and um, the boundaries and uh, expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they need these models from us and that's how they they learn to carry it forward. So yeah, I like what you said too about um, how you create this space intentionally. So it's not this, um, yeah, this space of gossip and, and just everyday chatter that there's a sense of the sacred when they enter, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, I think that comes from the rituals that we do every time. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. like. We do, we smudge each other with Palo Santo and we check in, we share one word to say, you know, what's going on in our lives right now, uh, feelings wise. Um, and then we have a closing ritual, we sing a song. Um, and even something as simple as that, or something as simple as going around and saying your name and uh, how you feel in this moment or your name and anything. Um, it just, it grounds the space Mm hmm. Be so simple, just a quick shift in consciousness. Yeah, because it's it's primal for us to have access to those states of consciousness. And and I think, yeah, I wonder if the girls even. I mean, who knows who longs for it more, but I just. Uh, yeah, there's just not a lot of spaces like this, so I love that you started to to offer this to the girls. 
Thanks. Yeah, it feels it feels really important. And um, yeah, what you said about like that primal need and primal um, ability is really true. I, I also work with teens, although I haven't in the past couple of months, I've been focusing on the girls. Um, but the last teen course that I led, which was body literacy, more like the mother daughter menstrual cycle class. Um, but we still start in the same way. We still ground it with checking in with how, how we feel in this moment. And the last group that I worked with was, um, it was at a shelter. It was a group of teens that were homeless and, um, they had some serious, I mean, serious stuff going on in their lives. Um, but after we did that check-in, they went from being like all over the place to presence. And it was really cool to see how simple that was and how fast it happened. Even if there's like, you know, it was like herding cats when they first got in. Um, but by the end of the check-in, they were like, they were there. It was really cool. Mm. Wow. Mm. That's so interesting. So yeah, I'm wondering how you, how did you get into this work? Like, how did you start to offer this and to get these skills? Is it just something that is part of who you are? Um, or it sounds like you're working with a couple of other women too to create these spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, did you, how did you start doing this? Well, so I started out working as a doula, I was teaching childbirth education. Then I got into free birth and got really excited about that. Um, but birth, while I love it, it, it didn't make me come alive. Um, I loved teaching. I loved doing childbirth education, but, um, I felt like there was this, like something in between that needed to happen, like some, some support for women in between like normal everyday life. And then connecting to our intuition for birth. And so I started down a fertility awareness journey. Um, and that's really, I already had a, a pretty solid knowledge of um, many of the ways that our bodies work just from being in the world of birth um, and especially free birth, but fertility awareness really just gave me a whole new lens. Um, and I actually felt pretty angry when I learned of its existence in my twenties, because I felt that I should have been told about it as a teenager. Um, and so I started working with women, but really I wanted to start telling girls about this, about fertility awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I created the, the program that I now facilitate, um, for nine to 12 year olds and then for, for teens as well really because I just thought there was no reason that women should grow up not realizing that we can take total power over our, our reproductive abilities. Um, and to me, that was just such a huge realization, um, a huge piece of the you know, embodiment and autonomy, freedom, um, and just feeling like you're a normal, person and not having so many questions and, and fears and worries going through life, whether that's about health or like, is this normal? Um, so that's, that's kind of where it all started is just, um, wanting to translate that information for, for girls and for teens, especially, 
Um, and so with, with girls, I don't talk about fertility awareness as like a method of contraception. I'm not teaching nine-year-olds how to like have safe sex. Um, and even for teens, I'm not, I'm not a sex educator. I don't, it's not like a, a sexuality workshop, but, um, yeah. So, so my focus with the young ones is really more on the menstrual cycle and, um, connection, but, um, yeah. So, and then threading through like connection to, um, the magic of the body has just always been really important to me. So that felt really organic to integrate. So my, my training in fertility awareness, um, as a, a teacher was, you know, just very, like you were talking about earlier, like, this is your anatomy. This is what a period is. This is, you know, this is what a fertile day looks like. Um, and that's all great. And, and I do that as well. Um, but I love um, integrating um, all the other important things about being a woman and how sacred it is. And I want girls to understand that too. Mm. And so how do they receive that? Like, I guess I, I also like to integrate that too, but I'm usually just talking to women. So I talk about it through the lens of like, you know, our wombs can hold life. And so we can hold life and we have that creative power but then I'm wondering how to kind of speak to girls in a way that's not just about you know childbearing and and things like that so how do you yeah how do you talk about that how do they receive that at you know nine years old like what is yeah. magical about their bodies yeah well I, th I think visuals are really helpful so I use um Jane Hardwick Collings is uh she has these altar cards they're like um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but they have like the menstrual cycle, days of the cycle, um, the cycle of the moon, the seasons. Um, there might be one other. Oh, and then like uh, a blossoming rose to represent like the cycle as well. So like the closed rosebud open and that represents the cycle and maiden mother um, and then maga or queen and crone. Um, and so I... I really like showing them. I don't throw it all at them at once, but like little, little bits. Um, and they seem to really connect with it. Um, but I think having something visual that they can look at, like seeing the cycle numbered out in, in a circle. So it's like, okay, the cycle is not just my period. It's, it's this whole thing. Um, and we make menstrual cycle necklaces. So, um, to help connect that in a, in a cycle as well. Um, and it's, so it's a very like physical thing that they, they create, that they do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think they love, they love activities. They love visuals. They love getting to talk about it. Um, yeah, it seems like they, they, I mean, they're always surprising me with what all they can, like the kinds of connections that they make. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll think a concept is kind of abstract and like maybe a little too, too much for like a nine-year-old, but then it's not. <laughs> and they, they just really, I think they really do get it. Um, for example, well, this isn't really about um, like ritual cycle connection, the sacredness, but in, in the mother-daughter class, the menstrual cycle class, I was talking about hormones and explaining what they are and what the main ones in the cycle are. Um, and one of the girls was like, okay, I've got this. So hormones are like Hermes 
in the body, like the messenger God, like delivering messages all over. And I was like, shoot, yeah, that's exactly what they are. <laughs> he must have been going through a, um, a Greek yeah. God's class in school. That's so cool. Yeah, I think she reads a lot. <laughs> Love that. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to explain it is bringing in the gods and goddesses in yeah. different cultures. Yeah, and we do that in the maiden circle a lot too. Um, we talk about different the different goddesses um, and what they represent. And a lot of the um, the girls in the circle are from, like their ethnicities are from other places. So one, um, one girl, her family is Hindu. So she was talking about some of the Hindu um, gods and goddesses and um, another, another woman and daughter, they're Catholic, they're from Brazil. Um, I can't remember where everybody else is from, but just like really cool, um, you know, there's like the, there's Mother Mary in the Catholic tradition. So we're talking about all these different um, sacred female figures and it's really, really special. Mm -hmm. um, you also asked about the, the co-teachers, the women who lead the maiden circle with me. Um, so one of them is my friend, Belen, who's the Mayan abdominal therapist. Um, and we have taught at her massage therapy office for the past six months. We've led the, the maiden circle there. Um, and she, and one other friend of mine, um, she, the, the three of us lead the maiden circle together and Belen and I lead the mother daughter classes together. Um, and it's, it's so wonderful to have other women there because there are moments when I don't know what to say, honestly, mm -hmm. <laughs> they'll talk about things. And I'm like, I would really like to change the subject. And <laughs> for, <laughs> <You> like <what? laughs> for example, cell phones when when we were talking about intention setting and goals that is like the thing that came up all the girls want cell phones and the three of us were like just not rolling our eyes but we were like no <laughs> i thought you were gonna say intention setting around using less but intention quite. setting what around using it less that's what i've heard but that yeah that would be a good intention hmm. it's something that has come up over and over and the girls um like one or two of them have phones and then the rest don't and it's it breaks my heart to hear how they're like made fun of in school for not having phones as like 11 12 year old it's just it's very disturbing um anyway but it's I say that to say that it's nice to have other women there who are um facilitating and we can like bring it back in bring it back on topic and um the, the girls are really, uh, you know, we, we try to do it very graciously, but like um, if we're talking about something, we want to kind of make it relevant, but also if that's what they want to talk about and that's what they all have in common, we want to hear that and um, give them space to talk about it if it's something that they're struggling with um, while simultaneously feeling like we want to protect them from, um, you know, being on the internet. Mm -hmm. I can see how that would be really helpful. I have led women's circles and then I've co-led them and I have appreciated the ones where I co-led so much more, um, yes. so much less of a weight. And I can't even imagine where you're the 
the role model figure or the leader for a bunch of girls. And it just, it makes so much more sense to have multiple female adults too. Yeah. To it's be great. Part. That's how we're designed, I think. Yeah. And then the moms are there too often. True. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they can give their, their input too. Primarily we want the girls to talk to each other. And so we try not to chime in too much, but, mm-hmm. um, but we do offer support and, and our thoughts and the moms do too. And I always love what they come up with because they're, you know, it's, they're supporting another, you know, not their daughter, another girl offering some, some wisdom. And that's, it's cool because it's outside of their own mother daughter relationship, but they still have the experience of being a mom, um, to, to draw on. And it's, yeah, it's cool to, to hear their, their little nuggets. Mm-hmm. Do the mothers ever talk to you or express an interest in wanting a space to talk about raising their girls and the issues they're having? And just mm. what about that aspect of it? They haven't voiced that. I mean, they, they talk about how grateful they are that we're holding the space. Um, and some of them have voiced interest in coming to my women's circle, um, just as a, you know, outside of, of their relationship with their daughter, just overall support. Um, and several of them are, are on my women's circle email list. Um, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't talked about like specifically guidance for, or whether that's like peer to peer, like mother support or anything like that, but that would be a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely see a need for that. Just even with this topic of cell phones, you know, there's so many things we can't shield them from. And yeah. now I'm in this space of mothering where it's very easy to totally curate her atmosphere, but it's, it's such a finite time. And then it's like the peers will play such a large role and then other adult women, hopefully, and it's a lot. It's a big weight. Yeah, um, totally. I think that's I'd love to see more idea. mothers circles that are centered around talking about these things for our daughters and then sons is a whole different thing. I have no idea about. So hopefully I'll get someone on the podcast to talk about that. Yeah, that would be awesome. I don't, I don't have really any resources for the raising of sons and, and all of that. I've talked to some men in my community about doing that and they're like, sure, I'll teach them how to be clean. And I'm like, that's not, oh, no. what <laughs> that's not what I'm asking for you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, there is a book that's, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's by like Womancraft publishing. They do a lot mm. of really cool books written by women. I love that publishing house. I'm going to write that down for the notes. Yeah, that's a great one. And there's a book about raising sons and um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's what I would like to, I want to read it (laughs) and -hmm. recommend it to others. I haven't found a good, well, there are really good books out there for raising daughters, but not enough of that aspect of like the things that you're sharing that you integrate in your circles and the things that I talked about with my friend Catherine and just you know raising our daughters wild and free and and you know their innocence intact and um integrating ceremony in their lives and all these things I just don't see enough 
or any of that. Um, so I'd love to, oh yeah, just open up the conversation more about, about that as I just figure this out without a lot of role models. Yeah. And I see just how much community and other women and other adults, um, how much of a role that is going to play. Um, so I am curious then like, what do you see as the role of like the mother versus the role of other women in the girl's life? Like it just, um, I guess we're talking about like ages nine to 12 ish. Um, That's primarily what I'm working with now. Um, but in the next couple of months, I'm going to be relaunching my teen program. Um, and we're going to do both like a six week course and an ongoing teen circle as well, which is so important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's the teens will be 13 to 18. Um, so it's really nine to 18 is the age group that I work with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you have any thoughts on anything from, you know, preparing them to get to that stage birth to nine years old, I guess just, yeah, just, just a question about like preparing them to get to that place where it's not all totally unfamiliar when they get to you at nine and yeah. Yeah. I really don't think it has to be that intentional with the little ones. Um, I think your, um, not mirroring your, um, your example is the most powerful thing for your daughter and not hiding anything that is normal mammalian woman, um, life. So like you and I have talked about the importance of not hiding when you're bleeding, when you're on your period, um, because then they'll, they'll know, okay, like this is a thing that happens. Mom bleeds and doesn't die. That means she's amazing, obviously. Um, mom uses pads or, or, you know, mom washes her pads in the, in the sink and that's normal and everybody understands. And maybe at some point she'll ask about that and then you can answer. I think we don't need to give girls more information than they're ready for. Um, so that's why I don't, I don't start earlier than nine because they're not asking for it. They're not, they don't need, um, the kind of like focused, structured education. I'm not even really sure that's the right word, but um, kids, both girls and boys, they ask what they need to know when they need to know it. Um, I was just talking with a friend of mine who has a six-year-old son who asked about where babies come from. And she just answered his question in as, you know, as much detail as she was comfortable with. Um, And I think, you know, you don't have to go above and beyond whenever they ask questions, but as soon as they ask something, I think that's, that means that they're ready to know the answer. So like, why do you have blood on your underwear, mom? Like explain what it is. Um, Or like, where do babies come from? I think you can use the proper terms um, without you know, as soon as they're like, okay, and run away, I think that's the answer. (laughs) Um, So it doesn't have to be, I don't think it has to be super intentional. And then in terms of like sacredness and ritual, I think that comes down to what are you doing to integrate sacredness and ritual into your everyday life? 
um, as a mom of, you know, Talia is still so little that um, I don't think it has to be, you know, okay, today is the day that we're going to talk to you about what it means to be a, a sacred bleeding woman. It's just something that she's going to, to tune into. Like this is, um, it's very organic. Um, and then when she does start asking questions, that's, that's the time to make it more intentional in just that you answer them. Um, and I think, yeah, like it's so exciting to, to be raising a daughter and to have this opportunity to, to mentor her. And you were asking about like, what is the difference between the mother role and like an aunt or a friend? Um, and that's, a, that's such a good question. I don't know that it has to be terribly different, but, but it is, I mean, that's, um, it's your own, your own daughter and you, you do so much more than, than guide her in terms of like, um, wisdom advice. I think an, the, the blessing of an aunt is they don't have to do the not fun stuff. So maybe they can be a step removed, um, and just provide, um, advice, guidance, wisdom, which, I mean, I, I love the maiden circle for that because it feels like, you know, the three of us, Belen and, and our other friend, Megan and I, um, are that for these girls, we get to be aunties, um, to, to all these wonderful little tweens, um, without, um, having to do like much disciplining or setting of, of boundaries, like they, they really need. Um, not that we, of course, set, we set boundaries in the circle, but it's different. Um, and also, I mean, I hate to say it, but coming from mom sounds different from coming from someone else. Um, I, it's just, it's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you go through life with, with someone and then they, they tell you something so many other times, but to have that validated outside of the mother daughter relationship, I think is really powerful too. So like, even if you said every day to Talia, like your body is sacred, like all of these things, hearing that from just one other person outside of you is like, oh, I've heard that before. Or yeah, that's right. What a like novel idea. I've never heard that before. And just like, <laughs> um, anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. We have this narrative, I think that, um, yeah, that girls, you know, yeah, they don't want to hear anything from their mothers. And it sounds like they do actually want their mothers there in circle with them. They do feel, they can feel comfortable outside of this kind of toxic culture. But then there's a point maybe where they, they actually do want to be alone and with the aunties and have their mothers gone, like maybe when they're past puberty, is that what you kind of see more? Well, so the, the age range, again, it's nine to 12. Um, okay. I'm trying to think, I think most of them are in about sixth grade. So they're about 11, maybe about to turn 12. Um, there's a range, but, um, but they are still there. They're still, I mean, some of them have had their first, have had their men their first bleed. Um, a few of them have not. Um, so yeah, it seems like maybe after puberty, there's one that's a little older and she's, but she's still, I, I, I get the feeling that she wants her mom there. She's the one whose mom doesn't ever come. And I almost feel like she still really craves that even though she hasn't 
overtly said it. Um, that's just the feeling that I get from her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to my own teenage years and I think so much of me pushing away my own mother was just, just trauma and, and things like that. I'm sure I had an even stronger desire as a young girl to really connect with her in an authentic way. Um, and that that felt really fulfilling to me when I did have that with her. Um, yeah, even to share with her things about my relationships, if I wasn't worried that she was going to like react badly. So, um, yeah, anyway, I love what you said just about, um, that we don't need to do anything special for the young children that we can just live and our living is imprinting them and modeling who we are to them. Um, so that takes, that takes some weight off that I don't need to be a teacher all of the time Yeah. Um, until they ask for it. And then, yeah, that, that's a good guiding light when they, they'll ask for it when they're ready. Um, yeah. And may we be so blessed that they actually ask us, their mothers, with yes. the answers to these questions. Oh yeah. I feel totally confident that you are creating that relationship where she will feel comfortable and confident enough to ask you and to that you will be the one that she comes to. Thank you. And I hope to cultivate as many you know, sister relationships so that she can, she can have that too. Cause that's very special. Yeah. I'm curious, Bethany, if you have any, um, relationships with your sister friends, daughters, like as an auntie. Hmm. I don't, I don't, but I would love to, um, like I mentioned, we visited, um, Talia's cousins and it was really um I don't even know if I have the words for it but it, it brought out something really strong in me to be around them and just to be in awe of how cool and wise they were and how much um there's a longing for me to be in that role um and so I want to cultivate those relationships with them in a way that I, I didn't really do before I became a mother, just because I was really oblivious, but now I feel very motivated to do that. So I hope, as, I hope as Talia gets older, you know, she'll have older friends and then I can be that. But now, yeah. now they're so tiny, all her little friends. So <laughs> not yet, but. Yeah, do you have that in your life? Um, well, so my friend Belen has a daughter who is 16. Um, and it's, I love getting to be around her. We don't hang out a, a ton, but um, one of the things that I have talked to Belen about is, so I don't shave my legs or, or body hair. And her daughter is like thinking about that, like going through, um, this, you know, like, should I shave my legs? Is it okay if I don't? I'm the only person that she knows who doesn't shave. Um, and it, that has always felt really important to me to be just like one example um, to young women of like, you don't, 
you don't really have to do that if you don't want to. If you want to, that's fine. But um, yeah, and again, we don't have like a super deep relationship, but I'm just grateful to like, um, to know her and get to like hear her thoughts and um, be a, another person in her life. Uh, and I, as someone who doesn't have children, I feel like I have more opportunity to spend time with my friend's children. And um, again, like, like Talia, most of my friend's kids are, are little still, um, but yeah, I love getting to see them grow up and yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. Something must be impacting her because to not be shaving at 16, I remember I was eight years old and I had no, yeah, I, I didn't even know that not doing it was a thing wow. at yeah. the time. So, so different now that, that girls are having alternative models. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think it, it gives me hope just being around them because I just see how, yeah, they have access to so much more than we did and so many different models and are just, um, just all the, you know, the young girls and teenage girls I've been around have been so smart. Um, yeah, it, just, it makes me just love that whole age group and just feel so, oh, just want to support them. Such a yeah. sensitive time. Totally. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. Yeah, I want to talk about um, a rite of passage, rite of passage ceremonies for bleeding time. Yes. Okay. And I'm, I'm wondering, have you talked about girls with that? Have you hosted any? Uh, what, do you, what do you think about all that? Yeah, so we have, I have not hosted any yet, um, but it's, it's on the docket for spring. So um, I was telling you about the, the Women and Girls Festival, which maybe this is a good time to talk about it because that's something that I want to do at the festival. Um, so I have this, uh, it, it's not, the dates aren't set for it yet, but this spring we're going to have a, um, women and girls festival in, in Texas. And, um, as a part of that, because spring is the time of the maiden, we're going to have a, a menarch ceremony for the girls who have recently undergone their first bleed. And it's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. So um, some of the girls in my classes, some of the women have talked about getting like first bleed kits, but when, when they talk about it, it's more like pads and tampons and like period underwear and just like practical things. Um, but I'm so excited about honoring the ritual of it. And the women who, who come to me are coming to me because they, um, they know that that's like something I'm passionate about too, not just the anatomy, but also the magic. Um, and yeah, so, um, some, some women in the world of, um, I don't know if witchiness is the right word or just connecting to the sacred nature of our bodies. Talk about the five blood mysteries that we, that as women, we, we have. So our birth, our first bleed, childbirth, the cessation of bleeding at menopause and death. 
wait, was that more than five? Anyway, there are five blood mysteries. And um, I, I'm so excited about honoring this one um, because it's, it's so important. And um, yeah, it's, I'm so excited about it. Hmm. And so what is it? What are some elements that you bring into it? What does it look like? Yeah, so we haven't, we haven't done it yet. Um, but it's, it's going to be a very embodied ceremony with, um, a group of other women, older women, um, sort of initiating the, the younger ones into, um, this ritual, the, the practice of, of bleeding. Um, so there will be, um, probably special foods, um, and definitely outside. So connection to nature. Um, I haven't decided if the younger girls are going to be present for it or not. Um, I, I like the idea of them being there. And I also like the idea of it being um, sort of something that you don't get to experience until you are have gone through it. So I haven't decided about that. Mm -hmm. um, there will probably be gifts given to the maidens who have just gone through their first menarch. Um, but yeah, it's it's still in the um, in the the creation phases, um, but yeah, those are some of the elements that will be there. Wow, I love that. I just I feel even just emotional thinking about it. Just how important that is, and how how special it will feel for these these girls. And I like making it exclusive and you know, making it an exciting thing for the young girls who don't know what it's going to be like. That sounds, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I kind of think so too. Mm -hmm. We'll see what mm -hmm. happens. I don't know if we'll be able to control everything right. at, the, at the festival. Cause it's going to be a lot of people and yeah. you know, women have their little ones and if it's, yeah, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you, have you looked into different cultures and how they do it? And if there are any threads or did you are you borrowing from any like ideas of what other cultures do for this? So really the main inspiration is the red tent, the book. Have you read it? Oh yeah. That's an excellent book. Uh, mostly. Yeah. There are parts of it that I, she gets an episiotomy. It's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> I, I mentioned that in one of them. <laughs> <here. laughs> yeah. It's like really, really great until the end. And then it's really sad. Yeah. Um, but that, the ritual that she undergoes is like intense and also really powerful. And that that's really my, my inspiration. I don't know if I'll do it exactly like that, but, um, I'm trying to remember, actually, I don't, I don't remember that part of the book. I just remember the larger story. Um, yeah. So she had never been into the red tent until she got her first period, which I think is really cool. Um, and then when it happened, the the women in her or her four mothers um i think they like they used this like frog thing to like i don't they like put it inside her and like like broke her hymen i think and then her first bleed was onto the earth which i was like whoa that's that's intense but also mm -hmm. powerful frog thing that's that's weird yeah, I don't know. You have to reread that. Yeah, I yeah. I need to I need to reread it too for for inspiration. But um, 
-hmm. It was like a frog shaped tool or something. Okay. But you know, I think there's some connection with frogs and the, the yoni. And I don't know why, but this is a feeling that I have. Um, I can't remember where that comes from. It makes me think of the psychedelic frog. Oh yeah. Um, Combo. No, the other one, um, Bufo, the one that you, that you would lick. Um, and how a lot of people see it as a very, it's like a sexual kind of medicine, Mm. but I've heard I've never experienced it before. Yeah. I haven't either, but maybe there's some just, you know, ancient connotation of just burgeoning sexuality and well, yeah, I, I had a vision one time, the one and only time I've ever taken mushrooms. I had a, a vision of a frog on my yoni. Oh, okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Some of those ancient practices are a little brutal. Yeah. I, I don't, so there's, I don't want to traumatize the <laughs> girls. <laughs> we don't want to put anything in their yonis or no, that's not something um, that we're, no. yeah, I know. Um, so I, I like, yeah. Reimagining of taking the pieces of the old with the new and just weaving yeah. something a little bit blended. Yeah. And when I looked at, um, I've explored just a little bit of looking at different cultures and, and what some female rite of passage ceremonies, um, what they do. And it's interesting. There's this element in a few of them of, um, like one, I forgot which, um, which native American culture, but they had the girls like dance all night or run all night or something like that. And it feels like that's, um, like that element of, of going through something physical is very interesting. Yeah. Just like what I imagine that boys really need for a kind of a rite of passage, um, to like something that they have difficult that they have to do and pass through to get to the other side. So that's interesting to think about of like some kind of test to birth, you know, there's this enormous task that we must do and death and, you know, all of it. And yeah, I wonder what would be appropriate for a girl. Yeah. Hmm. I like that idea. have to mm-hmm. think on that. Yeah. It shouldn't be too easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Here's I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, because on the one hand, um, I, I think there is a, well, obviously there's a difference between boys and girls, but I, a lot of the male um rituals did revolve on like having to achieve something in order to progress to the next phase whereas with women it's kind of like already happening in our bodies and i i I wonder if if the lack of like those like kind of tests in in traditional female rituals often is because we don't have to do anything to get to the next phase like we just have to honor it True. Like, no, that's well, a good point. Like mm-hmm. with, with birth, we have to go through this, this, um, complete transformation, but we don't have to then like run a marathon to prove that we did it. Like we just right. did the marathon, like with, with bleeding, with menarche, with, with, um, 
regular menstruation, that is the marathon. Like it's happening to our bodies without us having to really do anything. So I wonder if that's why there's that difference between men and women in, in many traditional cultures. Mm -hmm. I know you're absolutely right. I would agree with that too. Yeah. But, but I also like the idea of, of some sort of physical thing that, um, that represents this achievement that your body is doing. Hmm. Yeah. It's something to think about. I know. Yeah. Men don't, men need that external test because they don't have these things happening inside themselves. Um, and then on one hand though, I, I experienced my bleeding time is so easeful. I'm like, well, it's not really a test <laughs> for me. Yeah. yeah. But I guess it hasn't always been that way. And a lot of girls enter into it and it's a very um, painful process. But it is still a very physical process and it's something that you don't have to do anything for it to happen. Like it, it's just, um, you're being reinitiated every cycle. I mean, it's, it happens True. regardless of what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your consciousness is just totally shifted by what's happening in your body and you don't need to do anything to initiate that. It just happens. Yeah. Although you can and honoring it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Maybe they don't need to dance all night then. I don't know. It sounds fun. It does sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, it sounds really beautiful. I'm, I can't wait to see it, to be there in person and to, to witness it. Oh, me either. I think it's going to be so magical. And I'm hoping that we get women of all ages at the festival, um, mm -hmm. you know, from, you know, infants to 90 year old women, if they will come, mm -hmm. I would love for us to have some crones in long-term. I, I envision having like a, a fall, um, festival honoring crones in addition to the, the maiden festival in the, in the spring, but have, everyone at, at both. Wow. I can't think of a group that is less appreciated than older women. Oh, I know. So crazy when they literally like that, they are the group that can help guide us and potentially, you know, guide our planet in a better direction, in my opinion. So I, I appreciate that. I'd love to see that too. Yeah. Um, it's really important to me. None of the work that I do really is with postmenopausal women. And so when I'm out in the world and like, I'll go to holistic festivals sometimes to, to meet, meet people and um, I have a little booth and the you know, the, the postmenopausal, the Crohn's will walk by and they're like, Oh, I'm past all that. Do you have anything for, for postmenopausal women? And I was like, no, I'm so sorry, but I, I love that you're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please come, but we don't have anything for you. Yeah. I mean, come to my women's circle, but yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. I have worked, um, not very often, but I've held space for um, women as they go through menopause. Um, and although I feel, you know, I haven't been through it, so I, I don't know if I'm always the best person to, to hold that space, but um, it really, like holding space for all women, it's felt like such an honor. Um, 
and each time is just so unique and there's just so much to say about it. And oh yeah, there's just so much that they hold and there's just such a beautiful opportunity for just final release at that time of, of all the things that they've carried and held onto their whole lives, all these expectations and energies. And just, um, I just always think of it as a time to just, just release all of that and condense and condense all this wisdom into just this like this pearl this like guiding light for them um and their and their people and that's beautiful <sighs> you're you're guiding them well not guiding them but but being a support and holding space reminds me of maidens holding space for mothers during birth that seems like a very similar um practice mm-hmm I think so. I've, I've noticed that there's a lot of grief in that time to let go of. So mm -hmm. it is, it's unique. It's interesting. A lot of us come to that point in life with just holding on to a lot is what I've noticed. Oh, so again, we have that built-in opportunity every month to just keep releasing. If we can just keep supporting that so we don't come to 50 years old holding on to so much yeah and what's what's interesting too is that um women can yoni steam way you know into their old age and still release that, as you know still release from their womb and just like continue to let that go yeah a lot of women don't know that yeah that's that's a wonderful tip mm -hmm. So full spectrum womanhood, birth yes. to death. Yes, mm, I love it. I just lost both of my grandparents in January, both of my grandmothers um, in January of this year. And I got to be with them in their last days and um, sing sing songs to them and bid them, mm -hmm. bid them farewell. Um, and it felt really special. And um, yeah, it's grateful to get to be there. And, be a part of that journey they were it was it was sad um and made me think about the way I want to die even though I'm I don't know just made me think about that mm -hmm. wow how blessed they were to have you thank you did you sing any particular songs um let's see yeah so I sang um my I learned some new songs from my family members um when that was happening that I didn't know were songs that they sang um and then at yeah but I sang like a song for grief a song for goodbye um my grandfather also died like just before them there's a lot of death in the past year um yeah so I sang um I'm not sure what it's Oh, it, it's a song that Bethany, when you and I met in New Mexico, um, one of our, our mutual friends sang to another mutual friend. Willow sang it to Leticia. Oh, Willow is such a song keeper. She is. Yeah, yeah it's um, Now I Remember That I Am a Prayer. Do you know that one? 
I do. I actually saw that in the Free Bar Society, um, some promotional video oh, for their festival. Yeah. That's yeah. I didn't know that was. Um, I mean, I don't know who. I don't know who wrote it, it but yeah. I first heard it from oh, Willow. That song moved me so much. It's a wow. beautiful song. I sang that to both of my grandmothers, and I sang "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot," um, and. Edelweiss because my my mom's mom liked that song and mm. we sang some hymns we sang <laughs> a song about crawdads I don't know mm. that's beautiful thanks for sharing that I lost my mother this year and I felt very much like I didn't know what to do so it would have been helpful to to even just like have this conversation and to have this like, oh, you don't know what to say here. Here's some songs you can sing that will bring her comfort. So yeah. I'll just, uh, I'll do it in my, I'll do it in retrospect, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can you still can. sing to her. Mm -hmm. I'll share a, I'll share a link to those songs if I can find them. Those are, those are some really beautiful ones. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's so much comfort from singing and being sung to. Yeah. It's, it's like as babies, we get sung to. And then... That's just what I was thinking. And it really is full circle. One of my grandmothers towards the end of her life, she, um, someone gave me a stuffed animal for Christmas and I gave it to her and she, she snuggled it like, like a baby would snuggle a stuffed animal. And mm -hmm. yeah, it really does feel full circle singing to babies singing to the elderly and um yeah mm -hmm. yeah we are meant to be with be with each other in all of these times yeah let's see is is there anything you want to share about what you're offering or things that are coming or anything more about this festival that you have coming yeah. up? Yeah, well, I'm so excited about the festival. Um, again, the dates aren't set yet, but um, I'll be I'll be sharing about that on Instagram and um, to my email list. So if anyone wants updates, just find me on Instagram or, or join my email list um, and it's so my my work is under Beldum woman care Beldum means um, bell means grand or fine and dom means uh, or dame means woman or mother so it means grandmother wise woman beautiful beautiful woman um, so yeah I'm, I'm so excited about the women's festival we're gonna have different workshops um circles ceremonies of course the the menarch ceremony for the girls um but women of all ages are are welcome and we're definitely hoping to have uh some some crone representation some mother representation and um it's going to be in a, a really beautiful place in uh in texas and I, I really wanted to have it here in my home state um because there just aren't that many women's festivals anymore. And um, yeah, let's bring it to Texas. Let's do it. Um, 
what else oh so we were talking about singing and there will definitely be singing there will be song circles and um dancing fun it's gonna be great um so i'm really excited about that for the spring and if anyone is in north texas i lead um, a monthly women's circle i lead the monthly maiden no i'm sorry the the women's circles every other week so that's twice a month um the girls circle is once a month on the first saturday the teen circle is going to be created probably starting in february um yeah i mean i i teach fertility awareness so i teach um both in person and online and I am also stepping into helping women create circles and classes like what I lead um, in their communities, because I, I've really been hesitant to facilitate girls circles and classes and workshops online, because I just don't, the magic is not, it's not the same. I've done one and it just really, it was cool. I loved getting to get to know the girls a little bit, but it's just not the same as in person. And when they're that young, it's really a lot of like hands-on stuff discussion. Um, so I really don't wanna do that online. Um, but if you wanna do that in your community, I would love to support you. So I've started working with a couple of women to do just that um, because I really, I would love for this to be um, something that every community has, um, a, a space for girls to come together and share what's going on to learn about ritualizing these these sacred transitions um so that's something that i'm that i'm offering now too is mentorship in um leading girls circles and classes um yeah cool cool people should definitely take you up on that and just keep um spreading this this information this service to the girls in your community and your daughters um, their friends. Yes. So thank you for doing the sacred work. Um, so excited that you're bringing a festival like this to Texas. Thanks. Um, yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I'm so excited. Cool. Anything else you want to share? Yeah. I mean, just to all the women raising daughters, raising sons too, but especially daughters. Um, thank you. I mean, thank you for doing it in a way that is um, embodied and, and creating, supporting uh, this new generation of, of young women that is so capable and brilliant. And um, yeah, I'm just so, so in awe of, of you all. So I'm, I'm not a mother yet myself, and I uh, am excited to, to get to do that. So I'm honored um, to know you, Bethany, and um, yeah, just grateful that so many women are doing this work of, of mothering girls. Mm. Nice to meet you, and I'm, I'm really happy to know you. Thanks. If you are loving this podcast and excited to listen more to these topics of sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, the call to women's work and more, then here are a few ways that you can support this project and help me continue to put it out there. You can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps reach more women. You can also check out my book, Pelvic Awakening on Amazon, which is all about womb healing and connection and covers so many topics. 
And if you love that, you can leave a rating and review there. Um, And then finally, you can also check out my learning library, which includes my wise woman practitioner training, personal healing workshops, and more. All the links are in the show notes. And thank you again so much for your support.